Take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 15, Exodus chapter 15, and I want to talk about the intentional choices that we make in our music, Exodus chapter 15. Please be praying for our building project. There's nothing, um, it's just, it's just very slow. <laughs> and um, I mentioned this morning, a lot of times we, I know I like to be in control, I like to know exactly what's going on, and Sometimes it feels like, okay, now what do I do next? Um, I know what I want to do next, but I need help. Um, and uh, Kenny has been a wonderful help to us. Some of you may know he's had pneumonia off and on since about Christmas time. So that's slowed the work down. And other things, we'll talk more about it maybe at the annual meeting. Maybe I'll know more then. Um, but uh, now we have the money and we can't seem to make progress. And you know how it is. So you just pray with me because I think... The Lord has taught me what happened was, I just figured it'll just happen eventually. And we could take that, we could have that expectation, well, it'll just happen eventually. But the Lord wants us to wait on him in prayer. So if you'll join me in waiting on the Lord in prayer for this building to be done, I don't know when it'll be done. Um, one of the issues that uh, we don't have any control over is PG&E. Um, they have to connect us to the to the grid and... Um, you know, they just had a bunch, we had a storm, so a bunch of things are haywire with the PG&E system. I'm sure they would tell us that will delay it. One of you has had the faith to pray specifically that PG&E would hook us up for free. And when, when I first heard this person pray for that, I just sort of laughed internally. Sort of like Sarah, when God says, you know, I'll give you a son about this time next year. But why don't we pray in faith that God would provide in just the right time and in just the right way for all of these things. So just pray with me that the pro, pro, uh, progress would, would continue, and there are making progress. Some of you probably enjoyed the nice new sidewalk that's out there, and they're still working on the inside of the building, on the HVAC, Larry Lincoln and I. Uh, this week had a chance to just wander through there, and I had no idea what I was looking at, but Larry said, oh, look, they did that, and oh, look, they did that, and I nod my head. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, there's still some major pieces that need to come together, and if you'll pray with me that the Lord will ha have that um, just happen in his time. Exodus chapter 15. Uh, I'm going to ask some questions tonight. Let me start with this question. Who recalls? Let's start with people younger than 18. And Nirma, you make sure Guillermo doesn't try to answer this one. Okay? <laughs> younger than 18. Who, what, who? You remember what happened in Exodus chapter 14 that leads up to this chapter? What happened in Exodus chapter 14? And yes, you can peek and take a look back at Exodus 14. Yes, Chloe. Um, they the yes. They're trapped on one side. They can't get across because there's a big body of water there. And behind them is the Egyptian army, and around them are mountains. And then God opens up the Red Sea. They cross on dry land. And when the Egyptians try to get across, God brings the water crashing back on top of the Egyptians, and the Egyptian army is destroyed. Now, some of you may have heard the fanciful um, explanation that what really happened was the... Uh, uh, Israelite slaves just happened to run across a muddy, reedy, grassy area, uh, reedy, um, uh, uh, watery area, and uh, got away. The amazing thing, if that were true, and that's not what the Bible describes, but if that were true, it would be amazing that the Egyptian army was destroyed in a marsh. <laughs> you just can't have it both ways. And the Bible is very clear. Not only did they walk across, not only did the children of Israel walk across dry land, they just run through a mud puddle. But the Egyptian army was destroyed when they tried to do the same thing that the Israelites had done. So 
Here they're looking back now. In chapter 15, the children of Israel are looking back toward the water, and, and there's bits and pieces of the Roman army's supplies and probably dead bodies, etc., just scattered all over the shore, things floating in the water. And uh, I'm going to read to you uh, verse 1 through 19. Verse 1, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts have been cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as an heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed thee. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestina. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm shall they be as still as a stone till thy people pass over. O Lord, till the people pass over, which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Verse 2, I wanted to read you the whole song. That's the song that they sang. But verse 2 is where we're going to focus tonight. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is my strength and song. Notice that they were so excited that they were saved, rescued from this dangerous, life-threatening situation. They said, the Lord is but the Lord is my strength and song. And they sang about it. And before you were a Christian, maybe you were saved at a young age, you don't remember this clearly, but many of you saved as adults, you remember that there were certain types of music you really enjoyed. You'd listen to it on the radio. That's how old you are. Or maybe you listen to it on eight tracks. That's really old, right? You listen to it on your cassette tapes, your CD player. And then when you got saved, didn't you notice that your taste of music changed? Or I noticed my taste of music changed when I became a committed Christian because 
I realize these songs aren't about the Lord. These songs aren't about his glory and his holiness. And the Lord, it says, is our strength and our song. Let's pray, and then we're going to take a quick look at some intentional choices we make in music and be done. Thank you, Father, for that glorious music that we've been able to sing to you tonight. Years we spent in vanity and pride, and yet you saved us. And Calvary, at Calvary, your son, Jesus Christ, paid in full, completely, the price of our sins, the price of our evil and iniquity. All that was laid on your son, Jesus Christ, and he paid the price, and he rose from the dead, showing his victory over death and over the grave and over sin, and we, we praise you. We thank you for that sweet hour of prayer, that time we can spend with you, praying to you, searching your word for answers, finding them there. Lord, we thank you that as we sang tonight, you heard our song. It didn't make you any stronger. It didn't make you any better. You are perfect. But you rejoice in the praises of your people. We're glad to sing to you our praises and our gratitude this evening. Focus our minds for the next few minutes on this truth that you have become, uh, you are our song, and you are our salvation. We thank you for the great work that you've done in our lives. We welcome the sweet influence of your Holy Spirit into our meeting tonight, and we pray that you would open, open our eyes to truth. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, music has become uh, ubiquitous. It's just about everywhere. You go to the store, you, you listen to music. If you are in the airport, there's music. Uh, just about everywhere you go, there's music. And because there's so much music, sometimes we forget the influence that music has on us, but music has a huge impact on us, whether you recognize it or not. Now, maybe this has never happened to you, but it's happened to me on more than one occasion that I've walked into someone's house to visit, and all of a sudden, I felt a different emotion. Maybe it was joy, a couple of times maybe anger, <laughs> maybe a sadness, and I'm thinking, what, what just hit me? And then I realized somewhere in the, in the house, there's music. Maybe they're watching something. Maybe someone's listening to music. And my mind and my body is simply responding to the music. Now, not everyone has that type of sensitivity to music. And, and I've been reminded some people just don't even notice the type of music they're listening to. But I guarantee you that if you listen to music, it is having an effect on you. And there's two types of, in, 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 in broad, broad uh, strokes here. Uh, there are two types of music. One type of music feeds our flesh. It satisfies, well, it doesn't satisfy, but we think it satisfies our flesh. We think it, it makes us like we want to be, like our flesh wants to be. The other type of music feeds our spirit. In uh, Galatians 6, 8, it says that he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So when it comes to our music, we want to choose music that feeds the spirit that doesn't feed the flesh. Now, the problem is, the issue that we all face is, if you are listening to whatever is featured uh, prominently on your streaming music app of choice, if you're just running your dial through the radio and listening to, to whatever's on the radio, I can guarantee you a vast majority of that music is intended, is intended to feed the flesh. Now, the problem is, I, I know people have said to me, well, how can you prove that? It's, the Bible doesn't say if you listen to American radio in 2023, you're going to hear most of the fleshly music. Sometimes I wish it did, make it a lot easier. But, but think with me. Let's all agree that the music industry in the United States exists to make money. 
Yeah. If you think they're in business for anything else, you're crazy, okay? They want to make the most money possible. Now, I don't blame them. I mean, making money isn't evil in itself, but their goal is to make money. And they can make the most money by appealing to the widest possible audience. There are, what, 330 million, 340 million people who live in the United States. They want to appeal to hundreds of millions, not hundreds of thousands. Well, let me ask you. Do you think the average American's taste in music runs towards the fleshly music that appeals to the flesh? Or do you think the average American's taste in music runs towards the spiritual and spiritual music that feeds the spirit? Well, yeah, the average American. The average American's desires are to feed and to appeal to the flesh. So if I'm a music company and I want to make money, I'm going to focus all my efforts over here. And that's why most of the music you're going to hear today just feeds the flesh. Now, if you're, I'm going to mention some artists from time to time. It's not, uh, you don't need to go home and Google them. If you don't even know who they are, just leave them alone. But there's a lady uh, uh, who, who, who was very prominent a couple of years ago. Her name was Lady Gaga. She was prominent for doing a lot of stupid stuff. And frankly, probably sinful stuff. I don't remember getting that deep into what she was doing. But this is what she famously said. I mean, it was all over the internet a couple of years ago. She said, it's totally their fault, referring to music. It's totally their fault. Don't spoon feed me the Beatles and Stevie Wonder and Bruce Springsteen and Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and Elton John and expect for me not to turn out this way. Now, that's Lady Gaga. She's not a Christian, okay? She's... She's not trying to make a spiritual statement. She's just pointing out the obvious fact that the, that the people that she just mentioned, if you listen to their music, and this would be mainstream American music, the Beatles, I know they came from Britain. Okay, I know. But mainstream American music, Bruce Springsteen, right? Born in the USA, Led Zeppelin, Elton John. These people are all mainstream American music artists. She said, if you listen to that music, you'll turn out like me. Now, you don't want to be like Lady Gaga, trust me. That's the direction that music, in, in general, music is headed. Can you find music in American society? Can you find music that doesn't appeal to the flesh in modern music? Yes, you can. Just like you can find healthy ingredients in chocolate. And I really <laughs> focus on those few healthy ingredients in chocolate as an excuse to eat more chocolate. <laughs> But the only person that's going to make an argument for a for a diet of mostly chocolate is Hattie. Right, Hattie? Yeah, she's smiling at me. Yeah, let's eat more chocolate. No, seriously. Immature children, of course, will eat as much chocolate as you'll give them. But you're not immature Christians. You need to be a mature Christian who can respond to the Holy Spirit and recognize, oops, this music is feeding my flesh. I've got to put this out of my life. This music feeds my spirit, and I'm going to get more of this in my life. Let me give you some qualities that make for good music. And as long as, as the Lord leads me to be pastor here, you'll probably hear a lot of messages about music because music is so important in our lives. My guess is that a, major, a vast majority of you intentionally go out and choose to listen to music during the week. The question isn't whether you listen to music or not, it's what are your musical choices? And what are the basis for your musical choices? So let me encourage you, when you're choosing music, look for these good qualities in your music. Look for music that is God-centered, not man-centered. Now, I'm not just talking about fine music that says, 
it's Christian music. Because there's a lot of Christian music that frankly isn't God-centered. But find music that is God-centered. Here in Exodus 15, 2, and that's why we started here, the Lord is my strength and song. They wanted to sing about God. In fact, the whole verse 19, well, verse 1 has a little bit of narrative, and then 18 and a half verses in this chapter are just a song about God and what God has done. Choose music that is God-centered. Choose music that is doctrinally sound, music that teaches sound doctrine. Colossians 3.16 tells us, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So I want to choose music. I want to choose, even among the Christian genre, I want to choose music that has words that are that line up with Scripture. Now, I'm going to show you something. If you've got a hymn book, grab a hymn book. And turn with me to number 560. And I think I've done this before, but if, if you don't remember me ever doing this before, that's okay. We'll take a look at it together. 560, we have a story to tell to the nations. We sang it a couple Sundays ago. Thank you, Scotty, for picking this one out. I like this song. But some of you may recognize that this, the words in this hymn book are not the words that were in your hymn book when you were growing up. How many of you ever noticed that when we sang that song? Well, just, just two, three. Okay. Who can tell me what word have they changed in the chorus of 560 that's different than when you were growing up and sang out of a hymn book? Kingdom. Kingdom. God's great kingdom shall come to earth. The kingdom of love and light. Now, this book says glory. The short explanation for why that is, is this song was written by a post-millennialist whose idea was as the Christian church grows in influence and in power in the world, we're going to bring in God's kingdom. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us Jesus Christ will come on a white horse and a sword will come out of his mouth and he will conquer his enemies. That's how we're going to see the kingdom established. So they changed some words there because they wanted to be more doctrinally sound. And I appreciate, by the way, I really like this hymn book. I had not come into contact with this hymn book until I visited Elmira Baptist Church in August of 2018. And I just, you know, flipped through it, saw the songs. And I really like this hymn book. It's a good hymn book. Somebody cared enough to make sure that that one song lined up carefully with Scripture. Good hymns, songs that I want you to... to intentionally choose to listen to should be adult in their lyrics and in their melody and in their harmony. Now, there are lots of kids' songs. And if you've ever worked with kids, you've taught children just kids' songs. And by the way, that's great. I want to continue to teach children's songs here at Elmira Baptist Church. When we're teaching children, though, as, a, as, as more mature Christians, we ought to enjoy and appreciate Songs that are more complex, both in melody, more complex in their harmonies, more complex in their, in their lyrics and what they're teaching us. There's a song that we used to teach, uh, my wife and I used to teach when we were working with kids in the United States. It goes, one, two, three, Jesus loves me. One, two, Jesus loves you. Now there's more to that song. That's a great song for little kids. I, I, Scotty, don't pick that song for Sunday night. <laughs> Caleb, Billy, that's not what we want to sing on Sunday night. That's a great song for children, and we want to sing children's songs at our child at the child's level. But 
What does Paul say? When I was a child, I thought as a child. But now I'm an adult, I put childish things away. So we want to choose music when we're intentional about our music. We want to choose music that um, speaks to us as adults, as mature Christians. And often, if you were to listen to some genres of Christian music, they just say the same things over and over that aren't even, it's like bubblegum for the soul. You say, what do you mean bubblegum for the soul? Well, have you ever noticed that when you chew bubblegum, you don't actually get any nutritional value out of it? <laughs> and you just chew it, and you chew it, and you chew it, and you chew and it doesn't change. It just, it's still there. Eventually, you just spit it out. You don't swallow your gum, by the way. Don't, don't do that. That's what we have sometimes among our, our Christian songs today. They're just bubblegum for the soul. You do the same over and over and over. There's no, there's no spiritual value there, or very little spiritual value it's just something to do, I guess, with your mouth. Don't, don't choose bubblegum songs. Choose songs that are complex in their melodies, in their harmonies, in their words, in their lyrics. Music defines who we are as a church. Now, there are a lot of churches in Vacaville who've chosen another style of music. I don't need to judge them. I'm not here to, to, to make remarks on what, what they've chosen. But I will say this. Last week, Javen was kind enough to bring four of his friends with him from, from school, all of whom I understand did not have a very religious background. I would not want them to come to our church and say, oh yeah, I know that kind of music. Seriously, if their whole background, their entire career so far, their entire lives, career is not a bad word, entire lives so far, have been outside of the church, outside of God's meeting with God's people, where would they have heard Christian music? Well, nowhere. So the temptation I know for churches, I've been told this many times, uh, Pastor Scott, if you'll change your music, more people will come. Yes, but if they're coming for the music, and the music is what they're already hearing out in the world, what does it say about what I've just brought into the church? Just as I've taken the music from the world and now I'm putting it in the church. Why to attract people out of the world? We want to be distinctive. We want to be different. These people out in the world, they don't care about our God. The Lord is not their strength in their song. The Lord is our strength in our song, so our music ought to be different. If you ever bring someone and they come to our church and they say, you know, I like your church, but the music is strange. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because we want to be distinctive. We want to be different. We want our music to be different. I know people have argued from time to time. I've talked with them that, you know, most of the songs were adopted in other eras and they used uh, 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 the, the, the melodies of that era. That's a very weak argument. There are very, very few songs in our hymn books that have picked up popular folk. There's a few, but very few that have picked up popular folk music and brought it into our hymnal. Much of the music in our hymnal was written specifically for the song as a Christian song. Music defines what kind of church that we have. And have you noticed that as churches in general, the average church's music has changed? Do you, have you also noticed that the influence of churches in their communities has decreased? There are a lot of, there are a lot of churches here at Vacaville. I was talking with another pastor recently. There are a lot of churches in Vacaville you would think Vacaville would be an exemplary town. There's a lot of evil and sin in our town, too. Yeah. And I, I'm, 
this is this is my opinion, but I'm firmly committed to this idea that the, one of the reasons that the church has been robbed of its power, the main reason is because we, we've ceased to pray. The second reason, and almost nearly as important, is because we've adopted the world's music and we're feeding our flesh. Every Sunday, people come to worship the Lord and they feed their flesh. And then they hear, it, not all, but many of them do hear a message from the Word of God that feeds the Spirit, but they just fed their flesh. Imagine if you came to my house, now, I know some of you would love this, but if you came to my house and the first thing I did was give you a very rich, sugary dessert, would you have much room for the main course afterwards? Now, some of you say, well, that's that's the whole point. I have a friend who says you should eat dessert first because you never know when the rapture is going to come. <laughs> and you wouldn't want to be halfway through a meal and miss dessert because the rapture came. He's also the same guy who tells me chocolate is a fruit, so eating chocolate is even fruit. <laughs> But seriously, if you're feeding your flesh in half of your worship time and you're looking at God's word and trying to feed the spirit in the other half of your worship time, all you set yourself up for is dissonance in your thinking. We want our music and the, and the musical uh, uh, melodies and harmonies we choose to line up with God's word just as much as we want the words to line up with God's word. We want to choose music. And I've said this before, but we want to choose music that people sing as a congregation. Recently, I had a, was at another church for a, a funeral, and there was some, some Christian music that was presented that I found it very hard to sing along with, not because I didn't know the words. I knew the words, and I, in some cases, I'd heard the songs before, but the songs were intended to be sung by a solo artist or maybe a small group, and they're very hard to sing congregationally. And so what ends up happening, you look around. There's a couple folks up here, we call them the worship team, and they're singing, but the people in the congregation aren't singing. They, they find it difficult to participate. So we intentionally have chosen a hymn book that has congregational music in it so that you sing because you ought to be participating in worship. When we teach the children their children's songs, we want the children to sing. Amen. We don't want them to come to church and see church as a, uh, as a concert to watch to see, we want to see as worship to participate in. So the type of music that a church chooses will define what kind of church it is. And we want to be a church that's congregational, a church that exalts God in our music and in our preaching. So that's why we choose the type of music that we do. I've encouraged you in the past, and I'll encourage you again tonight. If you have specific questions about music, I'm probably the wrong guy to ask, but start by asking me, and what I don't know, I will find answers to it. Because the truth is, music has a huge impact on you as an individual. And if you, Monday through Saturday, are listening to music that feeds your flesh, and then coming on Sundays and singing a different style of music, you're going to find it very awkward. It would be the same way as if you ate chocolate all week, Monday through Saturday, and then tried to get a good meal on Sunday. It, wouldn't, it just wouldn't taste very good. Father, thank you for the opportunity. We have to worship you in our song tonight. You are... You are our strength and song. You've become our salvation. We're so grateful that we can lift our voices to you. We're so thankful that when the Holy Spirit fills us, that we sing to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're thankful that you filled our hearts and our minds with music and with words that exalt you. Thank you for those that have presented tonight the poems, the Scripture reading, music, thank you for the congregational singing, people participating wholeheartedly, sincerely in it.
Continue to bless our church with hearty music, with music that comes from our hearts. Lord, we pray that Monday through Saturday, as we are in our cars, as we're going about our business, we're in our homes, and we're making music choices. Make us aware of your Holy Spirit's prompting to choose music that honors you and to cut out of our diet that music that dishonors you. In cases where we can't control the music, maybe at a workplace or a restaurant or a, 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 a store, Lord, I pray that we would recognize the, the music that leads us astray and reject that. And focus our minds, meditate on your word. Father, we ask for a new sense, a fresh sense, not a new sense, a fresh sense, that the musical choices we make are important, that you will bless us when we choose to listen to your music, and Father, that listening to wrong music will lead us astray. Help us. Help our children, our teens. As they come into their own and they are making their musical choices, help them to see clearly how some music feeds their flesh and some music feeds their spirit. And Lord, raise up other musicians for our church, uh, those who can play instruments, those who will sing. We ask for laborers in the music as well as in other ministries of our church. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen.